and uh, uh, backgrounds. But there, there's the title, Principled Pluralism. And I'm going to really build on some of the ideas that, that we heard from Sarah and, and from Paula. And we're, uh, but I'm going to perhaps go in a surprising different direction. Um, I, a lot of what I'm going to say is going to be based on uh, these two books, uh, Society, State, and Schools, a study from uh, the uh, 70, late 70s and early 80s, and uh, Recharging the American Experiment by uh, Jim Skillen from the uh, uh, Center of Public Justice. And uh, the, the key word here today is pluralism uh, in uh, society, pluralism in in education. And um, so just to um, start with uh, the, the phrase confessional uh, pluralism is uh, where we're going to start. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here either because we've, 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 we've been there. We know about this. But uh, this is the idea of worldviews. There exist worldviews in our culture, in our society. Uh, various uh, religions, life philosophies, or confessions. Um, and uh, I don't want to restrict this to religion. I'm going to understand religion very broadly here. Uh, and so secularism is a religion. Secularism is a worldview. A position that says you can understand the world without taking God into consideration is a religious claim. Okay? Not everyone shares worldviews. Pluralism um, it includes re traditional religious groupings, um, but also secularism and the other isms. And uh, pluralism, even for the Christian, recognizes that there are those who follow Christ and there are those who follow other lords. Not everybody shares uh, the worldview. And... Um, just in case you don't know what this idea of worldview is, I've listed the questions that are in uh, Jim Sire's book, Universe Next Door. But Sarah gave us a little introduction and, you know, what is really real? What, what, what is God? Is there a God? What's the nature of reality? What does it mean to be a human being? These sorts of fundamental uh, base questions are what we're talking about when we talk about worldview. And I come from uh, uh, sort of the Reformed. Uh, tradition and and we sort of claim uh, priority in thinking about this and introducing this into especially American evangelicalism and I don't know if you recognize uh, any of these uh, people here but uh, Abraham Kuyper uh, and Herman Dewey-Verd there uh, in the middle uh, but they appeal back to uh, John Calvin and, and Augustine and uh, the Apostle Paul and, and, and some of the heirs of, of this, um, Francis Schaeffer is there, um, R.J. Rushdoony, a, a more radical uh, member of this, Gord Spikeman, uh, Cornelius Van Til. Um, the book that I'm looking at is um, uh, from Jim Skillen, and, he, and he's part of this. Uh, you see Al Planinga over there. Um, and, um, and, and so this sort of reformed, uh, and, and particularly Dutch reformed, uh, heritage has given a lot of thought to to this, and, and sometimes this perspective is called uh, uh, reformational uh, philosophy. Uh, sometimes it's Kuyperianism uh, after after Kuyper. Uh, of course, other uh, 
Christian traditions uh, uh, can, can uh, claim similar thinking. And I think in one sense, at one level, it comes down to a simple uh, case that there's a fundamental difference between uh, life and thinking from a God-centered and biblical perspective versus a uh, human-centered one. Um, a phrase that often comes out of the neo-Calvinist or uh, reformational philosophy uh, tradition is that life is religion. Okay, Kuiper said there's not one square inch of human existence over which Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, does not say, mine. That's, that's uh, one of his most famous sayings. Um, and this is true not only in Christianity, that we would view all of life from the perspective of our Christian worldview, Christian faith, presuppositions, uh, and, and fundamental philosophies. But other uh, worldviews have that same foundational set of beliefs and build their life and their understanding of reality uh, around that. And of course, uh, tying into this symposium today, education is a key part of that. All right? Worldview is the foundation of education. And what we're teaching is how to view life in light of our worldview. Okay? So, that's confessional uh, pluralism. And I hope, right, the way I've said that, you can see a, a little bit of a problem in the way we th maybe think about things. Uh, if worldview is so integral to education, how can we all have a common educational experience? Maybe we need different educational forums for different worldviews. Okay, so that, that's, that's a hint of what's, what's to come. Uh, the other part, uh, and this isn't spoken of so much uh, in American evangelicalism, uh, is what the uh, reformational philosophers called structural pluralism. Okay, there are a variety of God-created societal structures. Uh, here's a list of some of them. Marriage and family, the state, school and academy, business and labor, journalism and media, recreation and the arts, charitable groups. These are all aspects of the human uh, enterprise, uh, but they're aspects of society. They're social components that deal with each of those categories. And in structural pluralism, there's a recognition that the world isn't just divided up between individuals who do what they do and the state, the government, that's sort of the corporate entity, or the church, that's another entity. But there are a variety of social structures that are accountable to God and responsible for their own area of, of life uh, and, and work. And uh, the phrase sphere sovereignty, which comes out of this Dutch Reformed tradition, uh, is, is part of this. Each societal structure is re responsible for its own particular tasks and is accountable to God in its own unique way. Uh, the state should not be interfering with the family. The state should not be interfering with the school if the school is in fact a separate, distinct social structure uh, and uh, the, these, these other aspects. 
um, we have this fairly monolithic uh, corporate view in America of the state, and maybe maybe the church gets gets in there as sort of a separate uh, entity. But we don't recognize other other entities. Uh, they're, they're just sort of um, uh, voluntary organizations or you know common interest groups or special interest groups where people uh, come together. They don't have any kind of uh, unique social uh, ontological status. But the Bible gives us some some hints of this, and and you know these categories that I've uh, labeled here, uh, you know, there are addressed to uh, to us, uh, to God's people, to to creation, uh, commands. Uh, that aren't just to individuals or aren't just to the government or aren't, uh, there's the family. We, we see a fair amount of that. There is the government. Uh, there are um, uh, business communities, employers and merchants and, and so on. And so we can see this kind of uh, a structure uh, sort of in, in Scripture. But we also see it as we study society and study uh, the world. Uh, you know, a physical scientist and biological scientist tend to think about nature and uh, creation as being, you know, the, the, the physical and biological world. But the social world is also uh, created by God and ruled by God's law, and we, we need to study that and understand its uh, limits, its rules, its boundaries, uh, and so on. Um, Okay, so um, the, the, the meat of what I want to talk about is putting two and two together, putting the implications of confessional pluralism with the implications of structural pluralism and um, what, what, what that means. And so Kuiper, Abraham Kuiper, in the early 20th century, uh, late 19th, early 20th century, and the Dutch neo-Calvinists um, were led to uh, well, they use the word called pillarization of society. Uh, each worldview must be free to develop life informed by its fundamental religious perspective. Each worldview must pursue the implication of its, of its presuppositions and starting points in the various areas of life. Political parties, labor unions, journalism, media, and the arts, and the schools. Okay, in particular. And there were three main pillars. I've got a, a, a slide here that I pulled off of Wikipedia. This is sort of pillarization. Uh, the Dutch word there, verzeiling, is uh, uh, what happened in uh, the Kuyperian era in um, the Netherlands. And there's a political party. Uh, there's broadcasting. There's labor unions. There's uh, employers, there's uh, newspapers, schools, universities, hospitals, recreational groups. For each of the worldview pillars uh, in Dutch society, uh, Protestant slash Reformed, uh, Catholic, uh, and then um, the Social Democratic, which is sort of a, a, a more uh, secular uh, approach. And, and some people only list uh, three three pillars uh, when they when they analyze this. Now, I'm not sure I want to go all this way with pillarization. Um, but I do want to suggest that schooling is a place where pillarization ought to happen. And we have it when we have private Christian schools, when we have private Catholic schools. Um, 
I, I don't know, we've some private Jewish schools, and they're probably private Islamic schools uh, that, that are um, set up because there's a strong belief that education uh, must be performed in light of these worldview uh, questions. Now, in Kuiper's world, in, in the Netherlands, uh, this pillarization was publicly funded. Okay, so in Kuiper's world, there should be these different schools. Uh, parents and educators can instill the fundamentals of the worldview into children and emerging citizens and scholars. And that government-supported education doesn't have to be devoid of worldview-influenced education. Okay, the government could support religious schools without necessarily establishing religion. The state does have an interest in education. But as long as it's supporting all religions, uh, it's not establishing a particular religion or a particular worldview. Now, in the United States, our public educational system has been non-sectarian and in recent decades has become outright secular, uh, all in the name of separation of church and state and a view that much of education is neutral with respect to religious belief. And I think this is a fundamental flaw in American public education. Uh, in fact, I think it's a worldview and a religious position that's advocated by American public education. We have established the secular religion in our public school system. Uh, now, the Supreme Court has, you know, isn't yet willing to, to see that, uh, although I think there's some, some move uh, in that direction. Uh, but you see, the very claim that much of education is neutral with respect to religious belief is a religious claim and one of the fundamental claims of uh, secularism. Uh, so in America, uh, how did we get to this situation? Well, in America, because the Protestant... Um, sort of evangelical uh, culture was the dominant culture for the 19th and early 20th centuries, the schools kind of reflected that worldview and that perspective. But as the culture has been growing increasingly secular, the schools have become increasingly at odds with a Christian worldview. And, and so that's why uh, the growing interest in Christian schools and in home schools and, uh, because there's a desire to uh, establish uh, my educational uh, program on, on my worldview. Uh, but we have in America, uh, because of the separation of church and state argument, uh, a certain injustice in that uh, the state and taxation supports uh, this public education which establishes the secular religion. Uh, and uh, in the pillarization system, uh, you might uh, have public funding of a Christian school, public funding of a Catholic school, public funding of a secular. As long as we're pu um, publicly funding all of the schools, again, there's no establishment of religion. Um, I don't have time to go into some details, but in these books, there's actually some proposed constitutional amendments for how uh, we might actually put this uh, into practice. I want to finish with just um, 
a little bit about science, science education here. And this is where, you know, I'll probably make more than half of you uh, angry. Uh, if you're tracking with me, uh, the conclusion should be obvious. The state should not interfere with educational decisions that are rooted in religion and worldview concerns. Each state-supported religion, worldview-influenced school ought to be free to develop its curriculum consistent with its worldview. Okay, and when we think about the creation-evolution debate in this uh, context, um, we need to allow people who have a young earth creationist presupposed worldview the freedom to develop their science curriculum in light of that presupposition. Just as the secularist must be allowed to develop uh, their viewpoint in that perspective. And, you know, you, those of you who know me know I'm no uh, advocate for, for uh, young earth creationism. Uh, but, but that there would be other Christian perspectives that would uh, have a more theistic evolutionist uh, foundation. And we can actually find schools in the American system that reflect those different perspectives toward that, that fundamental question. Uh, just getting back to uh, one of the things Paul referred to, the whole notion of a state-mandated science standard provides a negative example here. Okay, the state standards don't really apply to private schools, even today. Uh, and the very fact that a private school would object to a state standard most likely means that the state standard is advocating a particular religion or worldview perspective over against another one. And that itself is an establishment of a particular religious perspective and a violation of sphere sovereignty in, this, in the system I've uh, been talking about. The government should not be in the business of education. The school and academy is a societal structure that should be governed by its own methods free from government coercion. So the preferred model would be the pillarized approach. There may well be mandated science standards for schools in the given pillar. The secular school may have a set of standards. The Protestant schools may have another set. The Catholic schools may have another set. And this is the development of their science curriculum and all other curricula in the school on the basis of their worldview and allowing the implications of their worldview to sort of come to fruition. Now, it would be interesting to see what the outcome of this proposal might be if it were implemented. Let's take a typical recent example like the Dover PA controversy over intelligent design. Okay, pro-ID School board members got elected, influenced the schools to offer pro-ID version of science in their classroom. Anti-ID parents took offense at this and sued. In a more pillarized educational system, this would never happen. The antagonism between pro-ID and anti-ID families likely wouldn't exist because people with such disparate worldviews wouldn't be in the same school. And even if they were in the same school, the parents would know ahead of time what the commitments and worldview beliefs of, the, of that school are. Um, and even if there was disagreement, there would be no lawsuit involving the state because the state doesn't settle these, these matters. 
Now, Bert Ehler sort of hinted at that last night, although the state does get involved in deciding these matters uh, when it comes to public schools because of the hegemony of the, of the state in, in public education. But the debate and discussion on the matter, and I think there should be debate and discussion on the matter, would be among those committed to the worldview. Okay? But it would be an, an internos discussion okay, within those who share the basics of the worldview. And they would have to work out what is appropriate for their worldview and for their school. Um, we have a winner-take-all mentality in America with respect to some of these issues. And um, in a pluralistic society, which we have, like it or not, um, a winner-take-all approach is uh, not conducive to getting along with each other. So I'll stop there and uh, entertain questions if we have time. Back here first. Those are, those are very important questions. And I think there are, you know, I, I'm not opposed in this idea, and I don't think Kuiper was either, to, a, to some kind of uh, minimal standards. Um, uh, even these constitutional amendments talk about accredited schools. Uh, there, there, there's some, some issues here. Uh, but I think we have to be very careful there uh, because um, there are religious questions um, that... that uh, we quickly get to. You know, if, if you ask the question, um, let's have a great books approach to education. Well, what's a postmodernist going to instantly say? Who's great books? Or, you know, what are the great books? Well, that's a worldview dependent question. Um, and so, while I, I, I think, yes, we have to be. 